No, I think what you're speaking of is is we did remixes where we sent out all the stems of our song. Yes. And we allowed people to make remixes all over the world. And the top six winners we made an EP record out of. Okay. Which yeah. was the... Um, Reskinned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was going to get a recording of of a bunch of very long farts, farts? and try to <laughs> <laughs> send those in to you guys as a joke. That would have been good. We enjoy farts. Um, you actually... A little uh, light bulb popped over my head. You said you're a fartist. You should uh, do that. That I've been everywhere song by Johnny Cash. I've I fart everywhere, man. And then go through all the cities that you farted. <laughs> Definitely farted in Abbey Road Studios. We we're in there for 16 hours. Yeah. So I'm sure a few we let a few rip. But our best fart story is in uh, 2000 something. We were playing in San Francisco with Chris Robinson and Phil Lesh and friends. Mm. And Bayless was getting in an elevator to go upstairs and he farted. And as the doors were closing, Kate Hudson came and ran and hit the button and came inside the elevator and wafted in his glory. Oh, geez. <laughs> so he farted on Kate Hudson is basically what I'm saying. Uh, very- and Hotboxer. Yeah, he's very proud of that, too. I'm sure. My daddy wants you to know a lot of the episodes have mostly clean language, but this episode has some words in it that aren't meant for all ages. So if you have kids like me in your house, you may want to put some headphones on for this one. You've been warned. Done, done, done. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Daddy Unscripted podcast for this Fork in the Road episode with Ryan Stasek, the bassist of Umphreys McGee. You may have already hopefully listened to the episode about being a dad with myself and him. If you didn't, make sure you go back and listen to that. It's not just about being a dad. For those of you who may think that that doesn't really matter to you, it is pretty hilarious as you would expect Ryan to be. Also, in that first episode, I in the intro, I gave a little bit of that uh, history and background on my relationship with Ryan and how he and I uh, came to be friends and what our uh, different interesting little bonding points are between the two of us. So uh, I won't go through that again. You'll hear that on that first episode. But it was very nice to be able to catch up with Ryan in this episode. And this episode is our fork in the road, meaning we're not talking about being dads for the most part. Uh, This is us discussing a lot of things sports related, uh, related with his band, as well as uh, some musical history on him as well and what he's kind of into now, etc. So there is a lot of different things in this episode for you to listen to, learn about Ryan about, even learn about the band in general and some of the members about as well. So uh, lots of good nuggets in here uh, from Ryan. So I hope you enjoy this. And here is Ryan Stasek. So we are back again for our Fork in the Road episode with Ryan Stasek, where we will uh, go off the normal daddy path and go into 
topics that uh, interest us and will interest you. And uh, with Ryan being as big of a sports fan, probably probably a bigger sports fan than I am, which is saying uh, a whole lot since my wife basically thinks I'm Jimmy in uh, Fever Pitch for the Red Sox, which is a e- easy way to place me, I guess. But uh, figured we'd talk a little bit about music and sports because music is just also obvious for you. So we we kind of didn't really talk very much about Notre Dame in the first episode, but how many years did you go the four scheduled years to to Notre Dame or no? Yes, we 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 all did. I think Joel had 7 years, but we all we all graduated. <laughs> I was a uh, 95 to 99 and I I majored in uh Japanese and marketing. Are you kidding? No. Jap- Japanese and marketing. So what was the That's yeah. amazing. So what was the point with the Japanese? Okay, so here's the short story. Um when I first went to Notre Dame, you know, I had all these plans, you know, people who plan their life out at, at 18 that I was going to be a neurosurgeon, that I was going to move back to Kalamazoo and, you know, just I was either going to be a neurosurgeon or I was going to be an orthodontist. And I had all this 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 planned out, and and I uh, I didn't do so hot my freshman year, first semester in chemistry, biology, um, advanced math. Uh, I did very poorly, as a matter of fact, to uh, to the point where I had to have a meeting with uh, with the dean, and and she said, you know, academic probation for a freshman is a grade point average of one point eight five. She said, you're at one point eight six, and I said, so what's the problem? I want to reevaluate what you want to do. And I was like, well, I know what I want to do. I want to be in a band, but you know, I didn't choose to major in music at Notre Dame. I had to, I I guess in hindsight, maybe I should have, but there's like, what interests you? What do you want to do? And I was like, well, Japanese, the culture, um, we've had family, uh, friends who my grandfather and my mother's side was in world war II with Japanese Americans. I bought my first car when I was 16 from the same family. Hmm. Um, I had I actually took Japanese lessons when I was in high school, so I had a little bit of a background, and I was uh, very very interested in the culture. So I said, okay, I've, I enjoy language, I enjoy music. Maybe I'll try Japanese, and I'll do business on the side. And uh, marketing was was interesting for me as well. So that's what happened. But I was also the same guy that was going around the dorm room, being like, "Hey, man, you play guitar? You want to jam?" You wanted so the the band trying to find the band on the side was was a full time gig too. Mm-hmm. I, and I imagined Tim if if I had gone to class instead of uh, you know trying to find a band that that first semester I probably would have done better than a one point eight six. Yeah, but the story would not be there. And <laughs> yeah, well, it was great. She could, they weren't allowed to call your parents unless it was under one point eight five. So I was like, all right, that's so, so what's funny. The problem. You would you would today be like a an orthodontist to the Japanese communities in <laughs> in Indiana. These get degrees is what I'm saying here. <laughs> yeah. So when you were there, how into the sports programs were you? Uh, I mean, I grew up a huge Notre Dame fan. I was in Notre Dame diapers. That was you know all Pittsburgh okay. teams, Celtics, and Notre Dame. My dad went there. I mean that was that's just who I rooted for. And living in Pittsburgh, I mean, I I enjoyed other teams, but I was diehard Pittsburgh. Like I remember liking the Yankees. I like Don Mattingly. Might have been his mustache. Yeah. I don't know. 
could have been a mustache thing. And Notre Dame was an amazing, amazing time. I wouldn't change anything. That's where I met some of my best friends and my band, you know. But it was it was a it was a little different at it being a Catholic university and having some what I consider archaic laws. I mean, it was all boys dorm where all my other friends were going to Michigan State and Michigan and all these places where everybody lived in co-ed places, mm-hmm. or, you know, lived off campus. Um, we had parietals where girls weren't allowed in the dorm after midnight on weekdays and 2 a.m. Oh, and then you get in trouble. And if you got in trouble, what, what the reward was they kicked you off campus, which is what everybody wanted anyway. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. And then, you know, I have, um, I have many, uh, I have gay and lesbian relatives. Um, my sister is openly gay lesbian, and I didn't really agree with the stance on the Catholic Church, especially in the early 90s, um, about homosexuality. So, you know, I had my differences with uh, teachings and, and beliefs. I, I'll remember to this day my sister saying, why in the world would anybody be punished for loving somebody? And that always resonated with me at a young age, even in high school. I was like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Why are they teaching us this, that this is so wrong? Why mm-hmm. are people not are being denied these rights for love? And, you know, it didn't make any sense to me at all. So there was, you know, there, it was a, there were definitely some rifts. And uh, if you saw the group of people I was hanging out with in South Bend and, and, and with my Notre Dame students, we were definitely like, the pariahs, you know, <laughs> of the of the school. Yeah, we were good students. Don't don't get me wrong. And there was a lot of loyalty to Notre Dame too. We just were, you know, a little bit different. So you then after you graduated, where did you move to geographically? I was in Kalamazoo at thirteen, and when I went to Notre Dame, I, I basically lived in South Bend for those five years. Um, I say doing time. Um, Miro, our drummer, graduated in 2000, so we all stayed in South Bend for a year later for him to graduate before we made the move to Chicago. And since everybody in the band's family was Midwest, we decided to go to Chicago, and that was a highlight of mine. I mean, I moved to a city that had two baseball teams, a basketball team, a hockey team, a football team, and proud, proud fans. And me being a proud, proud Pittsburgh sports fan, it was phenomenal. It's the one thing that I really, really miss down here in Charleston is there's no pro sports teams to, uh, to go enjoy games like, like I was able to do in, in Chicago. And when our band moved there, we were broke. We'd practice, you know, for eight hours a day and we'd pick when we could do it, but we always had time. We would grab chairs, a small black and white TV, our glove and a six pack. And we'd sit outside of left field of Wrigley. And this is the steroid days when McGuire and Sosa were just oh, cranking the home runs. Yeah. And there was a community out there. I think they've done a, a documentary on them of these guys since the 80s who've been out there on who catches the ball, um, who's caught the most home run balls out there, where they've landed, spray painted them. And we just you know, indulged in this community. And I remember me and Budney and me and, and, and some of my South Bend friends who'd, who were unemployed that lived in Chicago or me and Farrag, we'd go and we'd just sit outside Cubs games, get drunk, and try to catch home run balls. It was awesome. That is awesome. So then you guys are pretty much there and you are the, you're the only Pittsburgh fan in the band, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and is everybody all Chicago? Well, I mean, let's be honest. Jake is not a huge sports fan. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame would be his team. Uh, He he's, he's music through and through a hundred percent. Farrick is white Sox and diehard Chicago. 
Brendan is a cup, diehard Cubs, but he grew up in um, in Boston and Maryland. So he has some, you know, some Red Sox and some Patriots love. His dad mm. was good friends with Troy Aikman, so he's got some cowboy love there. But basically, he's a Cubs guy. Joel, you obviously know, is is diehard Cubs. Yeah. Um, Chris, Chris is a uh, he's a little on the fence, but I think he's a White Sox fan more than more than a Cubs fan. But again, he's a jazz guy. He's not into sports as much as the uh, <laughs> yeah the other the four of us. Yeah. And is everybody as far as hockey goes? It's basically you and. Andy, right? Well, Andy loves the Blackhawks. Yeah, you know, they'll watch the playoff hockey for the Blackhawks. Andy follows it through the season, but Kevin Browning is a Detroit Red Wings. Oh, big, big time! And he played hockey. He's a good player too. I'll give him that. He was. He's. We played on an intramural team at, at Notre Dame. He's a good defenseman. Huh. Move the puck. Throw yeah. the body around. Yeah, I uh, I played street with some of my buddies. I mean, I use that very loosely. I was basically the goaltender. And I was pretty good at it, but um, I got the very expensive goalie skates at one point, and um, just the movement of a of a goaltender is oh, man. it's so difficult. Dude, the speed of that puck coming at you too. There's, I don't think there maybe a soccer goalie. I don't know if there's a tougher position. Yeah, and you have to be tough. You have to be tough to play hockey. Period. Oh yeah. And, and, and I stand by this statement. I think that the Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win. I'm a huge hockey fan, so I might be a little biased on that, but I just think it's so difficult. You don't play series against the same teams all year. You only mm-hmm. play the other conference twice. So when you come in and you do these seven-game series in playoff hockey, which is just grueling, you've had that that season, people are tired, people are injured, banged up, and then you go against you know some of the best. We beat some of the best goaltenders if not the best in the game on that run. And Pittsburgh proved this year that speed beats um, physicality and people trying to run you down with, with the forecheck. And like our, I, was, I was stoked. It was such a great storybook season for the Penguins to fire their coach, to go halfway and make the moves that they made, to bring someone like Kessel in, and who's a huge star on any other team, and he's like third behind Malkin and Crosby. Yeah. Um, I think he actually desired, deserved the Conn Smythe Trophy, but to and then a backup goalie, a third string backup goalie, yeah. come in during the Rangers and beats um, Lundqvist. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about it. That was so cool to watch, and I felt yeah. I did have to do this for my wife. I apologize to my wife the year before. I bought the hockey package, and every night at seven there was a Pirates or a hockey game on. I'm like, yeah, but the, the game's on, you know. And I got a kid. I can't. Seven o'clock is, is a very important hour as a parent and as a dad. Yes. Yes. You know, so I did not buy the package that this year for hockey, but when playoffs were on, I was like, listen, man, they're making a deep run. Please start watching these games with me. These there's you won't be disappointed. It's so yeah. exciting. Yeah, the uh that is one of my biggest annual expenses is <laughs> every year it's really funny. I get so much gruff for uh the MLB package and I keep forgetting, literally forgetting to turn off the auto renewal of it. And uh, so it kind of gets close to baseball season and I'm getting excited and I'm not really thinking about it. And then boom, it like hits our account and every year it doesn't fail. I get that text. Oh, you forgot about this again, didn't you? Yep. Bill, the bill goes up to it. That happened to me for hockey and for uh, football. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what yeah. is this? Yeah. So I am going to buy it for football. I'm in four fantasy football leagues. I'm the commissioner oh of one with my, my wife and my dad and, our, and her family, which is super fun. Yeah. Um, my, uh, the Umphreys, we have an Umphreys one. 
so we can you know talk some shit on the road, which is which is super fun. And then I have a, a a bigger money league with my college guys, and it's a point per reception. Only the top four make the playoffs. It's a big big payout for the winner. If you if you win the season, you you, you win some money. But if you win, we we make it heavy based on on uh on that. So that's a tough that's a tough season to be in. And then I'm in a fourth league with uh, some jam band musicians, Mark Brownstein, um, and Ari Fink from ya- um, from Jam On X- XM. Yeah, um, you know the, the, some of the jam on hosts from XM Radio, Jonathan Schwartz, gone fishing guy, and uh-huh. and, um, and a lot of the actual fantasy um, gurus who are in fantasy sports hosts. You know Howard Bender and oh really, and, uh, and the announcer for uh, Bob Wishaisen, the guy, the announcer for the Jets. So we've got some pro sports in there, and this is a twelve man league, Ugh. not for any money, but talk about being difficult to draft. Once yeah. one your one your starters get injured, it's done. I mean, yeah. there's just nothing, nothing there. Especially when you have that one guy who's watching everything and makes that immediate yeah. pickup once somebody even hits the ground weird. Yeah, that the fan, that one's more about bragging rights. And um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm a I'm a huge shit talker when it comes to to fantasy football and sports. I'm not the guy who's you know I'm not throwing bottles and getting into fights or anything, but I love to be competitive and I love to have some fun. I do understand yeah. it's just a game, and um, you know I try not to cross the line to like offend anybody, but I definitely like to dance close to it. <laughs> um, you know, Chris Carota is in is in our band and stuff too, so you know we we like to make jabs and jokes at each other. Definitely, me and Brownie we're we're really good friends, so it's fun for us to to make bass jabs and band jabs, but just beating the, the pros. I mean, these guys do it for a living. Yeah. To try and beat them is, is, is pretty fun too. And you know, you know how fantasy football game, you can get pretty lucky. Oh yeah. Uh, you can get extremely lucky. I, but 12 team is just ridiculous. Now I'm going to sound pretty hypocritical because I was talking about all this bullshit about stay off your phone, stay off your phone. And I know and all of a sudden I'm in four freaking fantasy football leagues, but it, I am, I am, uh, I'm, how do you say it? I'm efficient. You know, yeah. I, I am the dude who sets the alarm when the waiver wires go off that Wednesday morning at four thirty or five, <laughs> and I'll make those moves, stay competitive. Yeah. But I've got it all down quick. I'm not wasting hours and hours of uh, trying to keep my teams, you know, set to where I'm uh, being hypocritical there about what I was ranting about before. Well, football's the easiest. I mean, because it's so few yeah. weeks and. Really, like, unless there's something massive that happens during practice, yeah, really, it's like Sunday is kind of it for the most part, and then and the draft, yeah, yeah, the draft I mean, is what takes what takes I mean, the most time. Baseball, I, I I should stop, but I, I can't. I've lost so much money betting on baseball. It's so there's so many. I mean, you got to check the weather. You got to see who's batting at course, who's playing at Coors Field, yeah. um, who who's batting against lefties. There's so many stats and so many people, and, and I don't follow baseball closely enough outside of my Pirates or the NL Central. Um, it's so difficult for me to to make any any money in that and i'm not doing it to make money i'm doing it to have fun which is right. why i don't even try and play in those where all the sharks are i mean where there's blood the sharks come i yeah. play in six to ten man friend groups for five to ten bucks just to have some fun with my buddies yeah yeah i i have not at all spent any time even looking into draft kings and what is the other one fan duel fan duel i haven't looked at them i've still been just doing the regular fantasy leagues that i do oh yeah my uh my wife just walked in the door and 
is uh, suddenly became a uh, Keystone cop and is banging into everything as she walks in, trying to be quiet. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't hear anything. Are any of the band guys big into football or no? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Bears. Bears fans. All through and through almost, right? I mean, it, we got, you know, when you get into the crew, then you've, I've got a Pittsburgh guy in the crew. My base tech Drew, he's, he's a big Pittsburgh guy. Um, Robbie is a, a Patriots fan. Or, yeah, Patriots fan. And then Kevin Browning being from Indianapolis, a huge Colts fan. But majority on bus, you know, on the bus, like the front, the front lounge is the Bears game. The back yeah. lounge is the Steelers game. But I'm lucky, man. The Steelers, we get a lot of prime time, man. We get a lot of Sunday nights. We get some Monday nights. We get the Thursday night, maybe a Saturday. I mean, I didn't even buy the package last year because I was traveling so much that I, w- I looked at the schedule. I wasn't even home except for two games that were on a one o'clock oh, really? the season. Yeah, I was like, there's no point for me to spend the 350 bucks to, to watch two games at home. Yeah. And, we, and it's mandatory in the bus. We get all the packages. You get hockey, you get baseball, you get football. Nice. Oh, yeah. How could you not? Yeah. I mean, Sundays, they're, they're great. I mean, you know, a lot of, uh, especially now that we're in a band fantasy football group, I mean, you can imagine the amount of shit talking that goes on within band alone. <laughs> yeah. Let alone having fantasy and people, I mean, the NFL Red Zone might be the greatest channel ever invented. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just watch an ADD touchdown to touchdown and people saying names you don't even know. I mean, it's hilarious. Joel is the guy who, who makes 47 trades. Um, I'm close behind him, but he also drops and picks up everybody on the waiver. I mean, he probably has 97 moves when we get to the end of the year. Oh, so it's, it's, it's very comical to, uh, to joke around with him. Yeah. And, Plus, he's a good uh, sport. Man. He's a good sport. He takes, he takes a joke better than anybody I know. I, it, it, would, it would seem from band history and the lore of uh, all the talk just just that that you hear about that Joel would be one to take a joke very well. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if he like cried one to oh his my God. I mean, we, we would we would feel so awful of all these years of torment. He you know, he would have, have existed. We actually he would have quit the band years ago. <laughs> he would have. We actually owe him a huge thank you. So thank you, Joel. Thank you. There you go. You guys have all of that with your fantasy leagues, and nobody is into basketball pretty much. Oh is no, that no, right? no. I, I'm not into basketball. Those guys, Farrag, huge Bulls fan. Oh, um, Joel, Joel likes all the sports. So you know he follows he follows the Bulls. Um, the crew is heavy into the Bulls. I just I've just never been. It's I did you know I did watch LeBron um, the final game this mm-hmm. year. I watched mm-hmm. him win it. I watched the uh, thirty by thirty on Believe Land. And for me, as you know, I was telling my wife this, I was like, you know, I grew I was born in 76. I've I've celebrated or been alive for four or five Super Bowls, uh, a World Series, four Stanley Cups. I'm like, that's that's a lot of celebrating. Yes. And then Cleveland, you know, it's fun to hate on them or the mistake by the lake you can say or whatever, that huge rivalry between the Browns and Steelers, you know, it's yeah. comical how big the rivalry is. You know, and I I it's like a sister town. I felt bad for them to not have a championship, especially the way that it's happened for them with the Browns and the Indians. I mean, it's almost like God is playing a huge joke on them. Yeah. You know, so for LeBron to do it and put it on his own shoulders and witness that as respect as an athlete to do that for that city, they fucking deserved it. And I'm saying this as a huge Pittsburgh guy. Congratulations, Cleveland. Yeah. That was awesome. 
Yeah, my my old job, I used to have to go to Cleveland, and they used to want to move me there, which I um, said there's no way in hell that I'm moving to Cleveland, but no offense, Cleveland, but I live in Southern California, so. But they're just seeing, <laughs> you could tell during the sports seasons, like, the people that I was working around, just how downtrodden they were. It was just, it was it was heavy during yeah. football season, and and it'll remain that way for football. Let's not kid ourselves. They're not. Yeah. Uh, they're not anywhere close to to competing in that division, at least. But uh, but for the Indians to lose the World Series and and then LeBron to bring to, with Cleveland, that that was that was just epic for him yeah. to, to win that game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, happens with the Indians now that they have they they're having some success right now, and they've got a very good manager. Well, uh, one thing I found interesting that I've that I've talked to, I don't think we've touched on this, but a lot of my sports friends, and I'm saying this half jokingly as well, but I'm on a bus with a bunch of annoying Cubs fans <laughs> who have already, just like they did last year before the Mets swept them, let me remind mm-hmm. them that they got swept. Um, they, uh, you would have thought they won the damn World Series. And right. you almost, the way that it is hanging out with them right now, um, and I'm mainly talking about Joel, you'd think that they would already <laughs> won or they're already going to the World Series. And, I, yeah. and I'm not taking anything away, man. They're having a great season. But everybody's fucking counting my Pirates out. Like, we've sold the team away. Like, we're not trying. We're a game out of the wild card. We're one game out. Yeah. Pitching gets there, and, and McCutcheon starts acting like Kutch. And we get clutch in September and hot, like the Penguins were hot before the playoffs. Anything can happen. Oh, yeah. This is my biggest rant, and I've talked to uh, even guys on ESPN about it. I think it's fucking stupid that there's a one-game playoff for a 162-game season or whatever it is to have one pitch decide your entire season, especially like the Cubs and Pirates last year had better records than the Dodgers and Mets. Yeah. If, if you're going to do this and you're not going to do a doubleheader and another game the next day um, because you're worried about travel or, or, or time or the season's too long or money, I mean, make more money, have more games, but at least make it a best out of three. So, and get rid of divisions. Make it the American League versus National League, and then the top five teams make it. So there's none of this bullshit standings because what's the point of winning your division if you, I mean, if, if you have a better record and then you have to go to this wild card game, right? And, and then the Mets, and, yeah. You know, and then you lose because of one bad pitch, or you know that irks me. And I'm, and I know I'm biased because I've been on the bad side of it. You know, to to, to lose like that, to watch a whole season after all those years of under 500, and then come back and you're like, fuck, you get one game to prove yeah. it. I just that 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 bothers me about baseball. Yeah, and just the, I mean, I know that's the other side of it will be or is. Well, this allows your manager to really prove how good he is to gear up for that. But having to get, if you are that team, having to get to that game, having to have the right pitcher ready for that one game is just, it's, yeah, it's pretty, I mean, they should really cut the, cut the season down like 10 games. Absolutely. Never do that. That's losing money, which, which uh, it should be 150 game season. Definitely have a three-game playoff for the wild cards. But again, you know, like like they, like the guy said, they say, well, just win your damn division. You don't have to right. worry about it. And I get that. But last year was a perfect case that that two teams that were deserving of of having a full series just didn't get the chance. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what I mean, who knows what this commissioner is gonna do because of all of the make baseball fun again stuff that he's going through. And it looks like within the next couple years there might be some kind of kooky changes that he might make so 
Like Who knows? Landmi- landmines in the outfield or something? Like taser landmines? <laughs> just one. <laughs> you know, one random taser landmine that just kind of freezes the outfielder if he runs over it during a game. That'd be hilarious. That's a Carlton bit. Just have like somebody there who make all the walls flexible and you can like as a fan grab Mike Trout as he's about to jump up through the wall. I'm all about fan interference. That's, you know, you pay big money, go to a game. You should be allowed to reach for that ball. Um, Yeah. Poor Bartman. You know, poor Bartman. I was going to say, yeah, tell that to all your Cubs fan friends. Well, you know, and I and Joel even admits it too. the apology was there, but everybody forgets about Gonzalez's routine booted uh, play at shortstop could end the inning. You know, Lou yeah. could Lou should have caught the ball. And what about the other six guys that were, you know, well, whatever. That's a long time ago. But it's it's everything too. like, I mean, it, it's hilarious. I go through this right now as a very frustrated Red Sox fan. I think I tweeted something out the other day that I want somebody to get a stat on the uptick in alcohol purchases and um, heart issues with people in the Boston area this year. Uh, because it's just been one of those kind of seasons. And, you know, you always kind of say it's that last pitch uh, or that last batter or, or whatever, but it's all the things leading up to that too, you know, if you really want to yeah. dig into it that way. Let's switch over because I'm I'm very interested and I think it would not only behoove me, which is an award-winning word, but uh, I would also be kind of, not really doing well with this if I didn't get in a little bit to your to your musical history. Sure. Um, I think that that's always kind of an interesting thing as well as, you know, what kind of what you're into nowadays or what you what your progression with what you've enjoyed listening to yeah. and whatnot. Because I know we gotten definitely a lot out of where your sports fanaticism has come from and how you were kind of born into that. So what was your road with music? Okay. Well, um, I can sum up a long story into a little short tidbits on a timeline there. Uh, growing up in Pittsburgh as a, as a youth, you usually just listen to your parents' records or what they're, what they're playing on the radio. Right. And that was very much uh, Motown. Um, and then Led Zeppelin, Beatles, and then my mom was really into Luther Vandross and Sade and Hall and & Oates. Mm. So that early R&B stuff kind of st- stuck with me, you know, without a choice. It was just what was listening to what they're listening to. Yeah. Now, I, I remember going to the bus stop, my buddy Tom, and asking him what a bass was. And we were talking about Aerosmith, and he said, you know, it's like a guitar, but if you took it out, you'd know it wasn't there. And that was his description to me, and I was like, oh, okay. And then at five years old, I started playing piano, and that was my first instrument. And I played piano all the way up until high school. Now, moving in 1988 to Michigan, um, I started a new school. I didn't have any family, didn't have any friends. The first kid who sat next to me, I'm still friends with today, his name's Sean Rowe, he gave me, um, gave me a Guns N' Roses cassette, and he gave me a Dragonlance book. He's like, hey, you're my friend. Read this, listen to this. And that was the, the first time that a band by someone my age and, and, and me being my age, making my own decision that this was going to be a band that I liked was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It was Guns N' Roses. And I was like, wow, this is so like dangerous and bad and awesome. You know? And I, the videos were coming out and MTV was huge. Then I was like, this, I'm into this. Yeah. And he had an older brother who was an Iron Maiden in the metal. 
And I really got into the to the metal stuff uh, in middle school early, you know, and Justice for All came out when I was in sixth grade. And uh, when I got into high school, um, that's when I am older for my grade. So I could drive early in my sophomore year. Oh, nice. Wow. So I, so I went to a Catholic high school. So not a lot of the, you know, I was a little ahead of my time on uh, getting into trouble more than the, the younger Catholic students were. So I was hanging out with a lot of the seniors and they were very much into fish and the Grateful Dead. Huh. And this is 92, 91, 92, I think I started driving. So 92, 93. Um, this is also when I uh, learned that you can't travel with a piano as easy as a guitar and chicks dig the guitar. Mm-hmm. So after going to a camp for piano, the girl that I thought was my girl and that I really had a crush on ditched me for the douchebag who was playing silent lucidity on his guitar. And I was like, what? That's what, that's how he did this. So I was like, mom, I got to get a guitar. So, <laughs> true story. So I went home and I ended up uh, buying a guitar. And that's when I really got into trying to, you know, some, some good garage bands in, 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 uh, in high school and listening. And then when I went to Notre Dame, I met Brendan and he didn't own an electric guitar at the time. So I gave him my, my Les Paul, my little PV amp, and I went out and I bought a bass. Hmm. I was like, someone's got to play bass. And I didn't, this is how green I was. I bought a five-string bass. I didn't know that the low string was a B. It was a cheap Ibanez. I tuned it up from E to C and like warped the bass the first day I got it. And then I was reading Bass Player Magazine. I was like, oh, I should buy this. Oh, that's a low B. That kind of makes sense. I'm an idiot. So I, I'm, you know, I'm, I had piano lessons from five until about high school, but I never had a guitar lesson, um, just self-taught, just, just playing, looking up tabs and playing by ear. I've always played by ear. And then I never had bass lessons um, and didn't really take it seriously until Brennan and I kind of had a handshake and said, we're going to start making our own original music. And even then, you know, I was still at Notre Dame and I was, you know, I was studying Japanese and marketing and I didn't know if this was going to, we wanted it to be, but I didn't know if it was going to come true, a dream come true. Yeah. Uh, and then I think when I was 20, 21 is when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a bass player. So that's when bass happened. And then all of a sudden I discovered Jaco Pistorius and Charles Mingus and, and the, the encyclopedia of bass started um, being at my fingertips with the internet and going around. I was like, whoa, what is this? Oh my God, I never knew that. I never knew this. And that's still happening. I'm still learning about mm-hmm. so much today. Um, but those were the bands, you know, that, that really, you know, the, the, the Guns N' Roses was a pivotal, a pivotal band. The heavier stuff, Pantera, getting through. And then the Fish and Grateful Dead, you know, once, I, once we started going to see Fish live, I think I was so into the scene. I was like, I've never been a part of such a huge community that was so cool that people really like this all for these four guys making this music. Yeah. I'd never seen that before. I didn't go to Dead shows when I was younger or tour. So the first time I was on a tour was Fish. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, and that would have been what year around 95. Okay. Yeah. 94, 95. So yeah, I was, I would have been 89, I guess. Somebody started in high school pushing some of this older music on me and I was listening to a lot of Crosby, Stills and Nash and, um, a lot of the older stuff, the Woodstocky music and somebody played something for me and was like, this is the Grateful Dead. And I said, no, these are the guys with all the skulls on everything. That's a, that's a metal band. Yeah. It was around that time. I graduated in 90 and, 
you know, it was around the time that my dad was basically fading out and my dad died. I turned 18 and uh, went to my first dead shows that New Year's run 90 into 91 in San Francisco went up. I mean, not having seen anything of the scene and not really knowing about the live side of it, the community deadheads or anything. I'd just been listening to like tapes and was just, I mean, my mind was just completely blown away, like walking around the parking lot in San Francisco, um, New Year's Eve run and just seeing all these people. And I also didn't tell you this. My dad was a pastor Mm. and was in a very strong Christian home, went to private school, like almost all my life. And so walking around with this community and hearing people (laughs) whispering Molly in my ear as they're walking by and, uh, kind bud, sticky bud, whatever. I was like, where have I just walked into? This is a completely other world. Totally. And did that for a while, just kind of went to West coast shows, um, was working at tower records. Uh, may they rest in peace for, uh, for like four year, four to five years off and on. And, um, basically just saving my paycheck for, you know, going on West coast runs of dead shows. And I remember somebody, we would get all the promos from the reps at the record store. And it was the year that hoist came out by fish which is a completely if anybody knows who's listening to this a completely off the wall kind of fish album as it is had the horns and just was a very different album great record yeah it now i can say it's a great record when it when it hit me then i was like "Eh, you know it's not the grateful dead i i just didn't really want to listen to much that wasn't the dead and Uh um so i just didn't really pay attention to it i know my life would have been very much different if I would have kind of gone and embraced that track because once Jerry kind of started getting sicker and whatever, I just kind of gave up on going to shows as much and just kind of stretched out. I didn't go to my first fish show until 98 or 99, which was shortly right before I found Humphreys McGee. I think it was 2001. And I could not tell you. Actually, I think I might be able to tell you. I think I saw a Relics magazine or something that was talking about people taking over the helm when Fish goes away. Yeah, yeah. And it was you guys were listed as one of the bands, Tea Leaf Green. I don't know if you you guys have ever played anything with them. Oh, yeah. We're friends um, with them. Oh, okay. I sought out. I can't even remember. Maybe it was through the internet, I guess, um, that I found shows of you guys and started listening back then. And I don't think I went to my first show until I think Oh four. And obviously it's a lot more difficult to, you know, really see you guys here on the West coast. Right. You get March. We give you March. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which always coincided with, uh, my wife's birthday. So very fortunately you guys are the one, band that I have embraced in that quote unquote scene or grouping that she loves as well. So, but you know, I would be remiss here if I didn't give credit to where credit's due because, uh, like I said, Jake, um, although he loves Notre Dame is not the sports guy, he's the vinyl guy. And he was the one before Spotify and YouTube and the internet who was opening 
our minds and allowing us to learn about all these bands that are, um, you know, that people don't know about. Like Can, are you familiar with Can? Mm-mm. You should check that out. That's that's in its own little category right there. But I mean, and he would go into when he'd get home, he'd go into a certain style of music and he'd dig deep into it. Like once he got into Norwegian black metal and dug deep. And we were listening to this stuff in the back of the bus. Bands that I would never even be able to find if I didn't put in hours and hours of researching and trying to figure out yeah. where he, you know, digging for this stuff. And he's all, I mean, where maybe Joel, uh, I wouldn't even say myself, maybe Joel could go on a sports jeopardy and, and do all right with some stats. You know, he knows his baseball, especially. Jake could go on the VH1 music jeopardy and he could tell you who every drummer and bass player was in every band who played guitar in every band when they switched, when they broke up all from the, the, the days of uh, the European groups, metal groups, British groups, uh, American groups. So that's, that's always been fascinating. It's fun. And, and, and he, and, and on the bus, countless, countless hours of all of us. Now we're able to do it because of Spotify and everybody played DJ, but he was the guy who would burn all his vinyls onto CDs and bring a book of like 60 of them. And when we were in the road, we're listening to all these old records and we're like, who's this? Wait, this is before they formed this group. This is, wait, this is what? And just opening, opening our eyes. I mean, we're in our young 20s. Um, I didn't grow up a huge Genesis fan or know the lineage or, or the history of them. But but Jake was so on top of all of that and taught all of us. And, and um, it was fascinating. It was fun. You know, yes, listened to a lot of yes back mm. then. So I owe him a lot of credit for being almost like a mentor and a teacher to um, – you know, listening to music that you just that just wasn't at your fingertips or you yeah. can find on the radio. Yeah, now it's definitely I mean, to say it's different is such an understatement with Spotify and uh, yeah. uh everything that you're able to tap into. It, it's funny because every once in a while I'll be like, I, I I can listen to this anytime I want, but I really actually do kind of physically want it in my hands and yep. There's so many times that you just can't find it. Which is why I'm teaching my daughter how to use our good record player. Um, Sonos is awesome. I have my Sonos hooked up all through the house, and now I have my record player hooked up to it so I can play it in any room. So she has a little Fisher-Price one you know, that you just wind and turn. But I'm teaching <laughs> yeah. her about this one because when I'm not here, <laughs> I don't want her using it or touching it. So if she's going to do it, she needs to learn how to drop the needle properly. But the best part of a record is you are paying attention to it. It's not background music. It's going to end after the four songs, and, the, and it's going to skip, so you have to be there to, to put the needle back. Right. And you have the book. We call them little storybooks. She picks a record, and we look at the vinyl, and I talk about it and tell her, and we open up the record and look at the artwork, and um, it's like a little story. And it's super cool to share that with your kid, where it's not just, okay, uh, here's a playlist with some Bieber shit on it and some other stuff that goes on and plays, you know, that you actually sit down and drop the record and it, there's nothing that sounds better than that. And there's nothing that feels better than that than doing it, um, at home. And I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. And having it on a good sound system. Yeah. It's huge too is, yeah, that's such a big part of it. I have one of my old bosses who was also, a uh, older than me and an older deadhead, he is kind of that way. He has so much music and he eventually went completely digital with all of his stuff and, you know, has a basically a server at his house now that he can tap into from anywhere with all of his stuff. Uh, and he ended up giving me a couple boxes 
of uh, nice. vinyl of his. And I mean, some amazing, like, you know, the original Beatles white album and yeah. all of this stuff that he had, um, even some, some fun little, like Huey Lewis is in there and I still have not gotten a turntable. I need to get one so badly. And we got one at big lots for my birthday, uh, right after my daughter was born and had this kind of nice looking, uh, wooden turntable that had decent built in speakers to it and everything. And it lasted like two months before it died. It was ridiculous. So I need to actually, at some point, invest some money into one and go to needledoctor.com out of Minnesota. You can get everything under 500 bucks. Oh, really? Really nice. Yeah. Needle doctor, doctor spelled out or DR? Spelled out. Spelled okay. Out. I'll look yep. at that. And what was that other band you were talking? Canned? Can, C A N. Oh, C A N. Okay. Yeah. I'll check that out too. Do a little Wikipedia on them too. And the- you guys have brought in a lot of cool uh, bands that were seemed like they were kind of maybe on the lurch of something happening when you guys kind of brought them in recently. Talk. Yeah. Talk is really good. Great band. Great players. Great guys. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, they're, they're, they're on their way. I mean, they, I remember uh, Big Gigantic was opening for us and those guys, I mean, that whole scene has blown up. They're, they're yeah. huge. They've done very, very well. Um. Um, I wish I hope I hope it happens for talk as well, too. Um, they're a really fun, really good group of guys. Yeah, it seemed like from some of your guys shows that uh, you your two bands get together really well. Oh, yeah. What are you listening? What do you find yourself listening to mostly right now? Um, right now, it's 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 uh, it's like my Spotify playlist. I go I go through D'Angelo phases, his older stuff. Mm. You know, I dig Erica Badu because I like the bass line so much. Um, and then I'll listen to, um, my wife has a, uh, she's way into country. Mm. So we went and saw the Chris Stapleton show. I, was, yeah, I think I it saw was, it was awesome. He was fantastic. And he does a rendition of, uh, you are my sunshine, which is my daughter's, you know, jam. That's what she jams on the ukulele or what we sing to her every night before she goes to bed. So I was, I was digging his stuff. I'm a Sturgill Simpson I'm a big mm. fan of. I, th- I think his stuff's great. I like his covers of modern tunes that he's put the country twist on, or the um, honky tonk twist on, or whatever you want to call it. And then uh, you know, Tool has always been my favorite. We took a band trip to see Guns and Roses in Philly, which was awesome. Oh, nice. You know, and uh, I've actually gotten into, and my wife is not into this, but um, the the punk rock, like a uh, Minor Threat and Fugazi and oh Social yeah, Distortion and the Misfits. And, uh, you know, this, she's like, why is this so angry? <laughs> it's just, it's really good. She's not into the, the raw guitar stuff as much. So I'll play some Henry Rollins radio. You know, I'm a big, you know, huge Henry Rollins fan in all aspects of, of him in general. I think yeah. he's just a fucking badass and right on in, in a lot of, in a lot of ways. So I've been going through a lot of phases through that. I, I discovered Spotify radio play where you can just, you can click on Henry Rollins and you can play and then it plays a bunch of stuff that, Related stuff. Related yeah. to that, yeah, you know, and um, some social distortion and minor threat and Fugazi and stuff. So I was kind of getting back into that phase a little bit. I like the, I like things that aren't as polished. I yeah. like 
crunchy rock guitars. I like that the ending of songs, not everybody ends at the same time or it doesn't sound like fucking Pro Tools. Right, yeah. I think that's, I think that's great. I think it's great when you hear the room, when you hear mistakes. I don't, I don't know if bands even record like that anymore. And if they do, good for them. More, more props. Yeah. It's so easy to digitalize or, or use a computer magic to make everything. So I'm a, I'm a fan of, of, uh, of sloppy rock. Yeah. There's some good stuff from that day and age. I'm trying to think, uh, there's one that was fairly mellow and, um, but very much like that. I think it might've been called Brad. I don't know. Uh, you may look that up. I, I, I think it was from that exact kind of Fugazi yeah. time. And he was maybe from another band. Um, and he did a solo project and a very deep voice kind of guy. And, uh, but it was, it was very raw. Yeah. And let, let me clarify When I say sloppy rock, there's great players. I don't mean that they're like, they're shitty players in any way. Right, right. They're great players. But I think you understand what I'm saying with more of the, uh, it's looser than like a progressive rock record. Yeah, it's yeah. not uh, Skrillex. Yeah, yeah, or it's not even it's not even the way uh, Meshuga is, you know, with with something being that math rock or, or that 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 tight. You know, there's great melodies, there's great rock. It's just there's something raw about it that I I really enjoy. Yeah, I think it's it's good to hear stuff that isn't so sugary and uh not necessarily just sugary vocal and harmony wise but something that does still have that kind of feel to it in this day and age that isn't so commonplace in this day and age and and lastly um, the record that has been on probably the most spins for me is uh snarky puppies new record i just think it's phenomenal i've heard i have not heard it but i've heard that from a lot of people and i need to check it out yeah, do yourself a favor, man. It's worth it's worth the listen. I've I've definitely that has had the most spins in the past two months on my uh, on my Spotify or when we're traveling playlist. Yeah. Awesome, cool. Well, thanks again for uh, sitting down. I will ask you my final question that I've asked a few people: if you were going to tell me to, I'll fork this off into two different people uh, that I should try to have on this show somebody that you think is very attainable and somebody i may have to work a little bit at but is possible for me to get on would you be able to name two people for that um offhand well i was gonna say henry rollins but i don't think he's a dad yeah he would be pretty badass for that but um oh man i don't know if i can just shoot that one from the cuff here i don't know i'll have to think i'm trying to think of dads yeah yeah, that's the tricky part. I, I, there have been a couple of guys that I've been like, oh man, that would be a great guest. And then I really have to look and see, is he a dad? Have you, have you done any comedians? You know, like Jim Gaffigan has got a lot of his commercials out with his kids and stuff. And uh, um, I've been a big fan of this uh, Crackle series uh, with the Seinfeld comedians in cars getting coffee. Have you seen this? Oh, I haven't seen that. No. Dude, it's fantastic. He, huge car buff. So he goes and he has eight seasons. There's eight seasons of this on Crackle. It's a free uh, app to download. And he has 18 to 20 minute um, sessions where he goes and picks up uh, comedians in badass cars and they go get coffee and they just talk. Huh. I mean, if anyone, for everybody from Mel Brooks, Sarah Silverman, Gaffigan, 
um, Gary Shandling, the heroes and new comedians too, even YouTube comedians. Yeah. And, um, you know, being a fan of, of, of stand-up comedy, um, there's some good bits about uh, guys becoming dads in that as well. I'll have to check that. Yeah. I, because he's somebody that we can basically listen to no matter who's around. I, and because I think he's hilarious and taps into the whole dad area in an amazing way. I'm a huge fan of Jim Gaffigan and I've started kind of placing my little tendrils out there to see if I can get them on, but that's my pick. I'm going to go with Jim Gaffigan. I like it. Okay. Locked as such. All right. Well, thanks again uh, for sitting down and um, especially taking so much time out of your day. Yeah. Let's uh, let's just end it with this. Let's not be surprised that I'm calling this out, but Pirates going to make a late run, win the World Series, and then the Steelers are going to host the Lombardi, and that'll be, what, three championship teams all in that same year? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm calling it, man. I'm calling it. That would be a, it, Oh, man. I can't even imagine what would happen in Pittsburgh <laughs> with that. It, it's a very rare thing so I don't for know. that to happen what, in Pittsburgh. Do you think that would be crazier than Cleveland winning this year? I mean, how would you weigh the two, all three teams winning in the same uh, season? Or Cleveland winning. Oh I almost, Cleveland I, winning would be, that's like end times stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, because that, that would, that's the Browns, like, you know, it, the Cavaliers, yes. And no, no, I meant just what just happened comparing just the Cavaliers winning, not for all of Cleveland. Oh, oh, you know, I, that's, that's, the, that's, that's what the, I was saying. That's the apocalypse. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about um, things that could happen to the Steelers and Pirates. Hey, it could happen. It could know? absolutely happen. And and with baseball and being able to, you know, anything can really happen in those seven game series. And it's a long series. And the Cubs are definitely, I know they're, they've gotten hot again right now. Mm-hmm. But remember, there wasn't, it wasn't that long ago when everybody was like, oh man, they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So they are definitely very beatable. I, I got to read up more on the Steelers, but you, whenever well, you have been, you've got your shot. And we've got a high potent offense. And if they say they're going to put up thirty and go for two each time and, and score enough points, then I'll put the faith in that over a very very shaky secondary, a very shaky secondary. I like our linebackers. I like our our defensive line even a little bit, but I do not like our secondary but if we're putting up 30 points in the nfl if you're putting up 30 points there's no reason you shouldn't be winning yeah and how's how's your guys strength of schedule this year um we are the nfc's or the eagles the redskins that division i mean it's it's pretty tough i mean i always feel like the people show up when you play in your own division i don't consider the browns a, a, an easy win I right. mean, it's, it's the NFL and everybody everybody says any given Sunday, you know, you exploit people's weaknesses or, or their strengths. It's a damn Patriots do that all the time. They come back and it's, yeah. it's good coaching. I hate them. I admit it. I don't I don't I, I respect that, that Tom Brady won, but he went to Michigan and he plays for the Patriots. How the hell am I supposed to yeah, like exactly. that? I mean, as a fan? I can't like that, but they are good at doing that. And I hope that the Steelers were, were in some serious tight end trouble. And, you know, we've got our off off field crap going on with the weed smokers. Yeah. But uh, I wish, I hope that they pull it together, stay healthy, and could put up some numbers. I do think it's ridiculous that that people get banned for an entire year for weed. I know that they got caught and they were stupid and it was, it was dumb, but people like Perfect get three games, and this guy tried to like murder somebody. You know, they do things, some 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 uh, trying to intentionally hurt players over and over, and he gets a three game suspension. 
you can tell I'm a little bitter from the, the Cincinnati rivalry. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought I thought Ben actually said something really classy and his past hasn't shown a lot of class. I think people can fairly say that. I'm not ripping on my quarterback. He's my quarterback. But he said he wants the rivalry of Cincinnati and Pittsburgh to get back to being hard-nosed smash-mouth football the way the Ravens and Steelers were. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's dirty. And there's no room in the sport to – I mean, I never want to see anybody get injured. I don't mind the guy getting knocked out from a hard hit. It's part of the game. You're going to go yeah. up the middle, man. You're going to get cracked. Everybody yeah. knows that when you, when you put the pads on. But I don't, I don't want to see people headhunting. I don't want to see people rolling over people underneath or doing things to, to intentionally hurt a player. Like, that's, that's dirty. Yeah. There's no room for that. And unfortunately, I'm saying it, Cincinnati has players that do that. And nobody wants to see a game – go in with a, with an ending result like that. You want to see hard, hard smash mouth football. And at the end, you know, hopefully they can leave the battlefield with respect. That's one of the things that whenever I think about it like that, you always kind of roll back to hockey. Hockey yeah. is just such a great sport for that. And the way that even the way that playoff series end says so much about that, about yeah. the hands. players and the respect and, it's my favorite sport in the world that, that, that there's, there is an understanding of why guys drop the gloves. I, I love going on YouTube and watching a mic'd up when you hear the players and you hear the, the referees talking. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy, they got coming over like, oh, you know, you know, you just, you know, you just slam Crosby from behind. You know, we got to go, right? Yeah, I know. I know. You want to do it now or you want to wait? You want him? You want to hear? Okay, go. And the referee's like, all right, let him go. Let him go. I mean, it's part of the game. Yeah don't have it then you have vigilantes out there running around hurting the best players doing injuries you have to send those sort of messages i think it's fantastic part of the game i am not all for getting rid of it it's, i don't think it's necessary as much as it used to be but it's still i mean fans love it yeah love oh it. there's so many fans that they would not be fans of hockey if that did not exist oh yeah but there's a like i said i support that there's actually a reason behind it and that it's effective yeah. Guys are way too good now. We're not drafting players to be goons who can barely skate just because they're going to be a pugilist. You know, we, those that those years are gone. I mean, even the '90s had them, um, but now guys can skate. Guys are good. Guys still know how to fight. But you just got to make sure people aren't taking cheap shots at your at your uh, franchise players, right? And doing a lot of serious hurt <sighs> to somebody. Or you'll on get the a ice. nice little punch in the face. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for sitting in. I I really, really appreciate it. It's been fun. I'm going to go put some mulch on my lawn. There you go. Yeah, I will not be doing that. So you can take (laughs) over the mulch responsibilities here. I should just put it all over my lawn. Like I like I said, my lawn is pretty hideous right now. But that's that's another podcast. (laughs) We'll 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 set up a a green thumb (laughs) podcast to, to discuss that. Yeah, I need some advice. All right. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. All right, that was the uh, Fork in the Road episode with myself and Ryan. I hope you guys enjoyed that and uh, as much as I did talking with Ryan. It had been a little while since we'd really had an at-length conversation, so that was nice to have this as a reason for us to be able to sit down and, and kind of catch up and talk with each other. So, uh, again, you can find Umphreys McGee on 
basically everywhere in the internet world. Um, and Ryan should be back on social media maybe after the end of this year. He'll be back on again. Uh, but you can look back through his Twitter and Instagram if you want to. And you should go see Umphreys McGee when they're local to you. Trust me. You can find Daddy Unscripted on all of those various social networks as well. We're on Twitter and Facebook as Daddy Unscripted. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. And would love for you to subscribe, leave a review, give us a rating. All those things help us get out there a little bit more and hopefully get some more listeners, which equals good guests as well. So also, if you do have some information on guests that you'd like us to have on, or maybe even a lead to me to be able to get to some of those maybe harder to get on guests, you can send me an email at daddyunscripted at gmail.com. I'd really appreciate that. And you can send me any of those kind of uh, bigger comments there as well. Some people have sent some really cool notes to me, which I've really appreciated. So thank you for that. So a little addendum to this episode. A huge thank you to the band Umphreys McGee and their management for making the partnership between the band and the podcast happen, where I'm now able to include their music on these podcasts. Uh, The little backstory behind that, I was actually editing this very specific episode and sitting here in the house playing the music that I was going to be putting in the front of this episode and my wife kind of turned towards me and wrinkled her nose and said what is that crap that you are putting on this podcast Uh, referring to the music that I had found royalty free and kind of talked about it for a while and she said why don't you just hit up the band and talk to them about putting Humphreys McGee on there and we kind of hashed that out a little bit. I got right into my email and started up that discussion with the band's management and a couple of weeks later, here we are. Now I'm able to start releasing these episodes with their glorious music attached to it as opposed to the royalty-free stuff that people may be wrinkling their nose at. So, big thank you to Humphreys McGee and to KB for partnering up with me in that way it adds a lot and i'm really excited to have that as part of it and especially for these uh, stasic episodes it makes perfect sense so again you can find umphreys mcgee at umphreys.com and you should absolutely make every effort to go see them live if they are playing in your town i really should say when not if because they play endlessly around the country they just recently announced their return to chicago for new year's eve having a big New Year's Eve run there, and they are releasing their first studio mashup album in November called Zonky, which you'll be able to find, I'm sure, on iTunes and Spotify, as well as get on disc and maybe vinyl eventually as well. Again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It kind of went all over the place, but I think in a very good way. Um, So stay tuned for the next episode with another dad coming up soon. Thanks. Thanks.